2: To Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arway. We're here at Roberta's. That was an exciting Super Bowl weekend for New York, right? Go Giants. My my, my guest here today, I don't think he's quite the Super Bowl football fan, but perhaps everyone uh, broke out a little uh, bottle of bubbly when the Knick, uh, Knicks, I don't know, teams. Giants. The Giants. When the Giants... <laughs> <laughs> Celebrated, sorry, I suck at sports Anyway, so my guest today is the venerable wine expert, creator of the Noble Rot Traveling Wine Saloon Also, Wineology the blog And now, Noble Rot Talks, his own podcast It's Johnny Cigar
1: Hi, good to be here
2: good you, to, you know, Kathy,
1: yeah. um, I actually looked into this The the The, the NFL... Doesn't have anything to do with uh, with celebrating with champagne afterwards. Like oh. After football, well, a, I after, did. After, well, that's good. <laughs> but if you go if you go online, if you look at baseball, like the the locker rooms at baseball, they're all spraying each other with tons yes. of bubbly. When
2: did that happen? I,
1: it forever since since okay. it's, since it's been going on. And I decided yesterday I was writing a post to say, you know, here's my prediction of what the teams are going to open in terms of bubbly. And I went online. I wrote the whole <laughs> post, and then I went online and I found out they don't do this. Oh. They don't even open bubbly,
2: so that's just baseball.
1: Yeah, they don't go crazy at all. They just they get the quarterback
2: Shows gets a car. How and much I know about sports. drives away. <laughs> I was like, why aren't they spraying champagne all over there? I know. I know. Is that like blasphemy to a wine connoisseur <laughs> seeing that? Because I cringe when I see people wasting food. Or
1: oh, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, it depends on what you're opening.
2: Oh, so I if think. it's not a good wine, which it probably isn't, yeah, then it's, it's okay to pour it over Andre. your Andre. Okay, all right, so tell me more about kosher wines because they're kind of booming, and I know you're involved with an event next week that's a festival of kosher wines
1: yeah, this is a fun this is a fun topic. This is something that I think um, the wine drinking community some are aware of and some are not the There is a big rise of impressive kosher wines. I would go so far as to say that the next Cult wine that we're going to see mm. might even be a kosher wine. They're really improving production and quality in these and wines. And this
2: festival is happening next week. Where, when? The What's kosher
1: like? food and wine festival okay. um, is is is. Uh, a, a week, a week from today, okay. here in New York.
2: Check it out—the New York mm-hmm. uh, Kosher Food and Wine—and and, and people are mm. drinking kosher wines, even though they don't ascribe to necessarily ascribe to a kosher diet.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You're seeing this uh, more and more because, like I said, the quality of product of production of kosher wines is is seeing a renaissance. Is people are. I mean, think about this: <clears throat> What makes a good wine? The fruit, TLC? I don't know. TLC, yes, absolutely. It's true. It's, huh. it's all about the fruit that you buy. You know, it's like cooking a, a meal at home. If you have better, fresher ingredients, you're going to yeah. have a better meal. So the better the grapes, the better quality the grapes that go into making your wine, the better your wine ultimately is. So you have kosher producers who are actively seeking coveted fruit you know expensive fruit fruit that comes from you know depending on where we're talking if we're talking napa valley maybe maybe cabernet that's growing up in the mountains you know that where where it's where it's better suited and so or coveted fruit from the valley there's
2: no kosher wineries that are all you know have a vineyard too or they
1: do some might actually some might own Mm -hmm. their vineyards it's very possible um i know uh, there's a there's a small producer uh in um in st helena uh, Covenant wines. Is, this is a good it's example. It's called
2: Covenant wines. Covenant
1: wines. And uh, Robert Parker.
2: <laughs> I want to make a joke right <laughs> now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can go <laughs> oh, no, go for no, no. it. It's your anyway. show. Okay. This is okay. your world. I'm just living in it.
2: <laughs> okay. Well what makes a kosher? What makes a wine kosher? Isn't it all kosher because we don't have dairy with
1: meat? Yes. No. This is
2: in all wine is all okay. wine is kosher. Oh.
1: It's all kosher. So then, what the heck? Depends on who's in the room. What? It Depends on the process. Depends on the the making oh, process. Oh, we're going there. Yeah. Okay. So who's making it?
2: A like, uh, rabbi.
1: Yeah. You and I. Do you keep kosher? No. So if you were in the winery and you touched those grapes, you, you just declassified I just that ruined one. It? You did totally <laughs> destruction. <laughs> you just.
2: Oh, I wonder how many times that's happened. You
1: owe somebody a lot of money now.
2: Hmm. What? Yeah. Well. Okay. So
1: that's the idea. It kind of come down comes down to who who's in the room. Who's in the room?
2: In the room. Yeah. Because certain people who have a certain diet have emanate certain bodily. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure. Whatever you oils. However I don't know. you like to.
2: <laughs> okay, but I see. I see what you mean now. It's now. It's it's about the process. It's about who is involved in the process. Yeah,
1: and there's a there's a big difference. Um, we were talking about this before we we went on but between um Manischewitz or Mavushal wine and kosher wine.
2: Mavushal wine so is Manischewitz.
1: Big difference. Okay. Big difference. Mavushal means that the 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 people who keep kosher Um, who are orthodox excuse me orthodox um, in this country it depends on where you go the rules are kind of different all over the place people in Israel can drink kosher wine it doesn't necessarily have to be mavushal mavushal means that they boil the wine a little bit they bring it up to a certain temperature they don't actually like boil it's not like they're making a stock
2: yeah it's but not like boiling live- wort into beer, right? Okay.
1: <laughs> exactly. They they bring it up to a certain temperature that the regulations that but say... But that changes
2: the taste, and now it tastes you know, like Manischewitz. Absolutely. Oh, that's too bad.
1: <laughs> so the good news is that there are kosher wines that don't go through that process oh. and are using incredible fruit and are producing brilliant, beautiful wines.
2: So that's the Renaissance. That's now, is it. It, um, is it okay to drink it if I'm not kosher? Uh, I would, or am I, going I wouldn't to ruin recommend. Something?
1: Something. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm you am nervous about this festival. You can drink it but don't pour it for somebody who is kosher because then you've you've just done a bad thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. Don't try to rain on but anybody's parade. What are you gonna do? So
2: you're pouring? V- no. I'm, I'm
1: not pouring. In. No, I'm there okay. to I'm there to look. I'm hey, just I'm but there to taste.
2: So tell me cuz you are pouring beer, I mean wine. I'm sorry. <laughs> work at a brewery um (laughs) you're pouring wine and uh at this event so the noble rod is uh, no no
1: no 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 i'm not pouring at the event i'm just gonna be there oh i know i'm I'm talking about your noble rod oh talk about yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. so you're traveling wine club of unique wine related tastings social gatherings sometimes with a little theatrical, uh, th- th- theatrics involved or food involved, and this one coming up, which is sold out already,
1: unfortunately. I'm going to point out that we haven't had any wine, by the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Just sorry, water I'm sorry. For me.
2: Um, this one coming up, you—it's a dinner.
1: Yeah, yeah. The Noble
2: rot paired with some, some, somebody's supper club. Yeah, dinner.
1: this is a big leap of faith for us. Okay. Um, for the for the noble rot, and well, you've
2: been doing stuff like this.
1: Not a sit down dinner, though. We've never never gone that direction. It's always been standing. We pride ourselves in the idea that the tastings are standing. Right, um, that's
2: right. And they're I very forgot. social, and they mm. are very
1: social. But we wanted to try something a little different, and a little bit of that comes from the experiences that I've I had. Last year, 2011. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as, as... Yeah,
2: when we did that dinner and I did a tasting for my book, mm-hmm. everyone just really tackled the, <laughs> the buffet. Well, it was
1: <laughs> you made some pretty good food. That was part of it, too. It
2: was supposed to be classy. No, <laughs> oh, it was classy, though. But, so, Nothing but. Okay, so you learned from this and you decided, why not? Let's do a dinner. Kind
1: down. of. Okay. I, I left New York. I was out in California for five months last year, taking part in The Harvest. And um so I was in california I was in San francisco and in in the Napa valley area mm-hmm. um, i w- if if any of your listeners or follow our you know our club know that um a, about a year ago, I parted ways with my collaborator mm-hmm. and as soon as we sort of parted ways, um, I left and I went to really dive into the wine industry out yeah. there, but also the food you know culture San francisco's got an incredible culture of of food clubs. The supper clubs that exist out there are very different from the clubs that exist here in New York.
2: Yeah, how so? Um,
1: in one very specific way, they, they're kind of businesses. I mean, a lot of the clubs here mm-hmm. in New York are... Um, Crazy Hobbies, people. crazy people. Yes, <laughs> folks who work, you know, full-time jobs and need to unleash. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> right? At the end of the day, we're gonna cook eighteen <laughs> okay. courses, and we're for... gonna
2: lose 200000 yeah. dollars on it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. We're like, it's a cash crop. It's a mm-hmm. cash cow for them. Um, right. I should and say, and we're
2: very sporadic. You know. Yeah.
1: In in San Francisco, a lot of these clubs are run by. Legit chefs who not to say that supper clubs here in new york aren 't run by legit chefs, okay. but a lot of them are cooks, a lot of them haven 't come from kitchens right, right. so the the folks in San Francisco, a lot of them came from kitchens, decided they 're going to start something on the side because they're the scene is the whole world is you know struggling everybody 's struggling right now, so everybody 's trying to be sort of an entrepreneur but what 's ended up happening is is a lot of them have created these amazing um, catering services that also happen to Continue to host these very clandestine dining experiences, and, and San Francisco loves that. There's a, there's a good, there's a great example of a group called the Stag Dining Group. Oh yeah, uh, and they're wonderful. We met them a, a while ago when a group of us helped out with the Michelin Guide release parties in San Francisco, and um, they are a great group of five guys who. Put on classy affairs and really blow their events out of the water. Or,
2: like, is that a home <laughs> environment? No, though? and that's another no, big it's not. difference. That's no, interesting. No,
1: one of them lives in L.A. He's an actor. Where uh, do they
2: host these things?
1: All sorts of wonderfully unique, cool places around San Francisco. San Francisco has. Fabulous venues is very wel- welcoming to, to these, these dining experiences.
2: Isn't it illegal, though? Isn't that the whole point no. of doing the underground supper club? Is at a home and then you don't have to
1: license any spot? Maybe here in New York, you know, where, where everything is illegal, where we're just constantly living in a, in a world of
2: Right, but if you do it at torment, home, then it's kind of just like, oh, you know, it's a dinner party, sort of.
1: Kind of. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these groups have taken it to the next level. So they don't want to be. They don't want to get shut down. They don't want to get in trouble. So they right. have licenses. They apply for permits and things. In San
2: Francisco. Mm-hmm. They do. Wow.
1: Yeah, I know. So
2: they ha- there is such a thing as a supper club. <laughs> it's like a. It's a. It, what? Yeah, LA? I
1: know. A legit an overground supper club. <laughs> and still, still fairly clandestine. Though, I yeah. mean, like difficult to get into some of these dinners. Difficult to get a ticket. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an exclusive exclusivity factor.
2: It's kind of like the same exclusivity as those you know really cool bars that don't even have a door that's apparent or a sign on it. Oh yeah, I know. You just I, have to
1: know about it. Yeah, we, we I get into all those all the time. Oh yeah, yeah I know. Yeah.
2: I know. Well, I think that's where I met Johnny. Uh, <laughs> that is cause that was cool meet. enough to be there.
1: Well, I you came in with me. <laughs> 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 so always oh, fun that um that experience though getting to meet and know these folks and see how they run their operation just kind of s- settled sat with me it mm-hmm. just kind of you know put it, it seems like
2: a good idea put it
1: in the back of my mind yeah okay. so we got when i got back out here uh, in november of last year uh, sort of let that whole the whole experience settle in. I was working at a... I went out to work in a cellar. Uh, I went out to work in a tasting room. I helped a brand... In Napa Valley, in right? In Napa Valley, yeah. exactly. I helped a brand new winery establish the voice of their brand online because of all that other yes. stuff that I do. And, um, and uh, you know... Did you, I,
2: you pick any grapes during I, the harvest they season? Wouldn't
1: me, they wouldn't let me touch the they grapes. They wouldn't let you touch them. And it had nothing to do with my being kosher or not kosher. <laughs> they, they just t- took one look at me and they said, you... Can well, probably it wasn't clean time yet, probably. really well.
2: The harvest time was right after you left, I think. No, no, no. Oh. I was. It was oh, happening there. while okay. I was there.
1: It was a very late harvest this year.
2: Oh, was it? Yeah.
1: October is when they really started bringing in the red grapes. Late, late late October.
2: Oh, that must have been exciting, though, to watch and see the full season. And, um,
1: amazing. You know, Absolutely yeah. amazing. Cut so this, it looks
2: like mm-hmm. you're only just expanding and growing this noble rot. you got a talk show, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. after our talk show break. Mm-hmm. Because this is very disconcerting, actually. You're having a talk show, and we're on this talk show. Hmm. It's a podcast.
1: Who's interviewing who here? Who
2: is interviewing who? It's getting a little meta. Um, But I know you picked a song, so I thought we'd uh, jump over to that. Mm -hmm. And it's by Sir...
1: Francis Albert Sinatra.
2: All right. We'll be right back.
3: Someone said, drink the water But I will drink the wine Someone said, take a poor man The rich don't have a dime Go fool yourselves if you will I just haven't got the time Yes, you can drink the water But I will drink the wine Someone gave me some small flowers I held them in my hand I looked at them for several hours I didn't understand
2: All right, great song choice by Johnny Cigar there. I've never heard that Frank Sinatra song. No,
1: many people haven't. It's a, it's a cl- it's an oldie, uh, oh, but man. he recorded it in his later years.
2: That's really, that's really, uh, it's something there. All right, <laughs> well, today's guest, of course, is Johnny Cigar from the Noble Rot. It is a blog, Wintology, a traveling supper club, or wine club, or wine a tasting saloon. events club, you could call it, um... And it's totally awesome. I highly recommend you check it out. It is also Johnny's birthday today. Just turned thirty. Welcome to the club. Congrats.
1: I prefer to think of it as one hundred and twenty divided mm-hmm. by four. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and all this before your thirtieth birthday. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that's I know. Cool. I made my first million when I was. Oh yeah, yeah. Nine, Nineteen. I- when I was seventeen, <laughs> it was a very good year. It was.
2: I knew we were going to get into song and dance at some point here. Um, so also I wanted to uh, explore the meaning of the noble rot because that's the name of your supper club or oh, sorry, wine club. I'm going to say everything. How much water today. have you
1: had since we've been on the program? I had so much
2: water today. Um, yeah. So the noble rot is actually the scientific process. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah.
1: It's a, it's, it's a happening. It's a happening. Um, if anyone has ever you ever had dessert wine? You ever do you de- dessert yes, wine? Yes, sure. Yes. Do so you ever have Sauternes from France? Charrier's. Sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Share. I don't know. What is what else is another? How about thing?
1: dessert beer? Well, let's just stick with something you know. No, no, dessert wine. Okay. Yeah. So the the great muscato? Yeah, well that's okay. you're close. That's very yeah. close. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's stick to in Okay. in France where they make the greatest dessert wines on the pl- on the face of the planet mm-hmm. arguably so the typically grapes that go into making these wines are semillon maybe sauvignon blanc maybe chardonnay and so they what they do is they leave these grapes out on the vine long after they were supposed to have been picked and they hope that those grapes develop a particular rot let's call it a noble rot and uh, a mold and it's the latin is botrytis cinerea so If that mold happens and it takes hold of the grape, what happens is it starts to rot the whole cluster. And it sucks out moisture from the center of the grape and turns the inside into this this golden nectar, this nectar door, this nectar of the gods, this golden deliciousness. And when you press it, this is how you make Saturn. You make this noble rot wine. Um, And it's a very delicate process. The vineyard crews have to go through the vineyards. They have to make many passes because they have to pick every grape individually. Mm, Every grape that's developed a rot. spot moment. That's right. That's right. So How it's
2: precise
1: it's a very noble activity
2: very <laughs>
1: <Whoa>. <laughs> I didn't know you speak spanish
2: <laughs> um uh, okay, um no, but that's really interesting, so uh the, it's all about the that leaving it on the vine rather than doing something else with it afterwards, and that's that is a noble rot
1: yeah yeah okay. and i I think it implies i know i think it's got implications it's sort of a noble uh because it's a natural
2: thing you're not you're not so much doing anything it's just doing it on its own
1: also uh, what think about this those wines age and last for hundreds of years and they develop beautifully so you can open a great a great saturn from a brilliant saturn house um maybe 50 60 70 years after it's been bottled and it's going to it might depending on how it's been stored sort of blow your mind mm. which that's that's pretty that's pretty noble that a, <laughs> that a beverage right can do something like that
2: well, what, ha- what happens
1: if you open up a it, beer well, that's been hanging out for a hundred um, years
2: i don't know i'm not the person <laughs> to ask about that i mean there there's different there is actually very similar um comparisons to that with beer hmm. as far as i'm concerned and um it, yeah, some beers are very good for aging over ah. others, but that's the topic of another
1: Blueberry episode.
2: beer? <laughs> no, I, you can't. <laughs> I'm teasing.
1: I, I don't mean to diss Is, the beer community. Great, I love, love beer. <laughs> In fact, I drank beer last night.
2: Oh, gosh. We should make like a cross between beer and wine just to, you know, just to check it out. I don't what,
1: know. What we call, we'll call it a Weir. <laughs> Bine. Bine. Okay. So. Bine weir. <laughs> we better we better Sounds trade that awesome. mark before somebody <laughs> gets on it.
2: <laughs> all right, Johnny. Okay. What is the ultimate? And you know, next week will be Valentine's Day, and I know mm. you have a lovely wife, Amanda, who um she's a brilliant ballerina. But um
1: still with me too, after all that time. We were we were we were apart while I was in California when I came congratulations. back. Congratulations. Thank you. I know, I'm impressive. lucky.
2: <laughs> so you must have a really good answer to this question, which mm. is, you know, Valentine's Day, something romantic. What do you think is, like, the ultimate date meal? It could start, you know, however you want.
1: Date meal? Yeah. Mm. What's this food? A, this is a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, here's 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 my take on Valentine's Day, right? because mm-hmm. we all know that this is a holiday that is around f- thank you hallmark right yeah. um i think it's a great opportunity for people to say i'm going to i'm going to celebrate the things that i love right that's sort of the idea when you i mean boil it down so so my ideal valentine's day meal um would be going out and indulging in something maybe you haven't had in a while but something that you absolutely love something that when you think of a food even a wine. And hopefully the two will go together. Something that you think of that just makes you pop out of bed in, in the morning and go, I-, I can't wait to get to the grocery store if I'm if you're going to make it. Or I can't wait to get to that restaurant um, to have that particular meal. Um, and it makes you happy, right? Because mm-hmm. it makes you happy. It makes you feel good. And I, I think, you know, while everybody else is out looking for roses and chocolates and all that jazz.
2: You should ha- dig deep.
1: and dig, like Dig kind deeper. Of
2: rem- remember some things that they like. But maybe haven't had it in a while.
1: Yeah. That's
2: a something good idea. that you love.
1: I'm going I'm to give you an example. Okay. At Whole Foods, they make a tiramisu. It is the best tiramisu <laughs> that I think I have ever had. And what am I going to do on good Valentine's tick. Day? I, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy they, they sell them in like the whole size. I'm going to have an entire tiramisu cake to myself because I can because I'm an adult. <laughs> I have no mother. Perfect. <laughs> no mother out over my shoulder saying... You know, one piece is enough. Two pieces is, you know.
2: <laughs> is that the entire meal?
1: That that might be for me. Okay. In fact, what I really would love to do is get um, brownie batter and whip that up and just eat that whole thing. That is that is a lifelong dream that is of mine.
2: Something that you gotta return to every oh, once in a while. I guess. Man. Yeah. Okay. All right. So sweets, you got a serious sweet tooth here.
1: I do. I do. I'm a I'm a very real. I have a very real chocolate obsession. Mm. I can't go many days without having some form of chocolate. Oh, dear. Dark chocolate.
2: So what about like a first date meal? What is the ideal meal here?
1: The ideal first date meal? Yes. Here in New York?
2: Anywhere. Anywhere. In your mind?
1: Um, well, it depends, Kathy. Are we talking about... Um, vegans? Are we talking about vegetarians? Are we talking about just regular old people who eat burgers and?
2: What about if it was? <laughs> I'm just trying to be accommodating. You, somebody, um, you know, th- uh, what would you like somebody to cater towards you mm. for this email?
1: Okay, I want, um, I want, I want the incorporation of the thing that I love. So, how about we, how would we, we, we play around with? This obsession with chocolate on Valentine's Day. <laughs> You're going to say wine. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's where you want me to go, right? That's
2: all right. That's all right. No, no, no. Okay, I'm chocolate.
1: Resisting okay. Uh, because I think you can do all sorts of fun things with with meal. So, how about how about something that's cocoa crusted? You know, like a, mm. like um like a powder a powdered fish with cocoa powder or something like that. Cocoa nibs. Use the cocoa, cocoa nib nibs. Crusted. Cocoa steak. nib crusted. Absolutely. Why okay. not? I want a chocolate sauce. Let's do a mole. Mexican. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it.
2: It's kind of like a Willy Wonka-esque date. Absolutely. Nice.
1: Absolutely. And you need a a full-bodied, absolutely outrageous, dark Oompa Loompa wine. (laughs) This is what we need. And it has to be, uh, you know, dense and rich and velvety. You put it in your mouth, and you just you need you, you take one sip. You need another sip right away. Maybe another sip right after that. Um, mo- hints of mocha, hints of uh, you can
2: be washed away. Berry. Oh, in the yeah.
1: chocolate pool. That's the idea. Like Augustus good but not in a not in a um, sort of not not in an overwhelming way.
2: And what is the setting for this ideal date? First date.
1: Uh, how about how about a, a wine cave? You know, how about a, how about like with being surrounded Roger. by barrels? That would be very and romantic rod and, and sur-
2: mold and mustiness.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, wet floors,
2: echoes everywhere. Yeah,
1: people, darkness, people shoveling grapes behind you somewhere.
2: Yeah, candle, candlelight.
1: I think that Isn't would probably be a necessary. As a first date, I, that would impress me.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a good, interesting, and weird. One.
1: I haven't been on a first date in <laughs> so long. I know that's you took why me I off to, that guard. Was that was impressive. Oh, wow. okay. I don't even know what it's like anymore to go on a first date.
2: Well, you should consider yourself lucky.
1: Th- oh, thank you.
2: Oh, that's good. All right, so we'll tell Amanda that she has a lot of interesting uh, experiences to look forward to here with this uh, tiramisu from Whole Foods and a, wi- a ch- wine cave with creepy stuff and chocolate going on and chocolate. Excellent work, Johnny Cigar. My pleasure. Um, So I guess that's about all the time. Oh, wait. What about your podcast about food? I mean, about wine. How how can we listen to it?
1: There's a website now. There's a link on thenoblerot.com. You can -hmm. go to the blog. You can go to the website uh, all over the place. But uh, Noble Rot Talks.
2: Noble Rot Talks is your series of interviews and... Mm And spotlights on different vintners or yeah exactly
1: yeah. winemakers vintners um people in 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 that in that industry get a chance to s- listen in on their lives experiences and it's it's kind of got this american life a little bit of this american right. life feel. so it
2: differs from this because we're not goofing around uh so much very serious <laughs> and it's not a live interview basically it's it's a, it's you putting together this edited mm-hmm. list uh episode
1: indeed Cool. Indeed. So who
2: who we have to look forward to hearing soon?
1: Well, there are already about 10 up. Okay. So if people what haven't the heard list? them, they can go and listen to okay. them. The, la- the last one was um, with uh, a gentleman named uh, Chris Phelps, mm-hmm. winemaker, uh, who makes a wine called Advivum. Uh, which is a small production. He also makes wine for uh, Swanson Vineyards, which is one of the places that I actually worked when I okay. was out in the valley. Uh, and he's he's a powerhouse winemaker. Guy used to work at Chateau Petrus when he got his start, which is a famous Bordeaux house. And then he was at um, uh, uh, Camus and Dominus. So really interesting hmm. conversation. Great time uh, chat with Jean Hofliger this uh, French Swiss man uh, who <laughs> makes wines for Alpha Omega Winery. He's I'll tell you boy just listen to him talk I was unprepared for the sort of profound things that the man was saying. Um, Wow. And then my hero Robert Foley winemaker uh, who makes Robert Foley vineyards and he's made wine for a lot of other people. Where about is
2: that Robert Foley finger. He's
1: based up on Howell Mountain which is in Calistoga. So we're talking an hour and 40 minutes north of San Francisco.
2: Cool. I wish most, more of these people were around New York so I can go check them out. Well,
1: actually, Robert Foley is making wine at the Red Hook Winery with...
2: Yay! That's like right next door. Okay. Exactly.
1: With, with Abe Chris- Schoner.
2: And Chris Ch- uh, Christopher. Y-
1: yes, yes, yes. Who's the resident in... Ha- yeah, he's a brilliant guy. Awesome. And they're they're getting a new space. They're moving right now to a new space. Oh, really? Mm-hmm.
2: i got to check out your podcast then. I'll get the whole scoop.
1: Indeed. Indeed.
2: Neat. Oh, yeah. so I look forward to uh, your continuing of that series. Thank they you. They sound like pretty involved and very intense. So
1: Yeah, they're yeah. intense. I, I don't joke around. There's no fooling around.
2: Yeah. I have to, dr- Very I have different to, have to drop one.
1: everything. Totally. Hey,
2: There's a there's a station for everything. There's a podcast for everything, right? Agreed. All right. Thanks. So we're about to wrap up our little podcast, too, with Johnny Cigar from the Noble Rot. Thank you so much for being on air. And Thanks. have a great Valentine's Day next weekend.
1: Thank you for having me, Kathy. I'd like to
2: thank Jack and everyone at Heritage. See you next week.
3: Right. Cheers.